Yo, what up, Bay Area Combat Fight fans? We are back, and we got a special one. I know I say that every time, but this one's going to be dope, you guys, okay? We're in the Suncoast Awning Studio. Our big sponsor is Suncoast Awning. For all of your shade needs, Suncoast Awning is going to take care of you guys. There's a shop in Santa Cruz, and there's a shop in Martinez, okay? Get shaded, you guys. We have Tom Bass Davis on the ones and twos, RadioKeysMusic.com. You can check out their previous album, and they're dropping their album. I think it's coming up real soon here. When is it coming, Tom? October. October. All right, so check that out. Peep that. We have Deborah Farolito in the studio as well. She's the owner, Bay Area Combat, Suncoast Awning. I'm Daniel Compton. I'm the, I'm the matchmaker, fight director. Uh, we're making it happen. And then my guest today, guys, some of you know him by his pretty blue eyes. Some of you don't, but we've got Carl Compton. Man, Carl, how are you doing today, man? Uh, doing great, doing great. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Yeah, dude, thanks for coming in, dude. So, uh, so Tom Bass Davis, he's our sound man extraordinaire, but then uh, so is Carl, you know. So we uh, we're we're in a special place because we're hooked up with the with with the, with our with our crew, and uh, we're gonna as the production gets a little bigger, we're gonna need all of the, all, everyone that we can get, man. So, uh, Carl, I have a bunch of questions for you, man. But tell me how you got into sound engineering and 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 uh, and this type of endeavor. Yeah, I mean, music became a passion of mine when I was younger, doing the opera operatic uh choirs and singing and you know you name it little bands um i slowly found out that the best bands were the ones that sounded good and so in order to be a good band you really had to sound good so i just started taking over uh, at the board every once in a while turning these knobs this here and the other and then uh finally one day i was in the, the blue lagoon in santa cruz and this uh really interesting cat came up and there was something going on between the subwoofer and the mains and i was like hey you know uh there's a little bit of a delay going on and he's like huh yeah, you know you, you might be right and he goes in and he has this digital board i've never seen anything before all these things are popping up left and right and he's like oh you know what i was messing around with my subs the other day in the garage and uh yeah i put a little bit of delay on the subs man you got a freaking amazing ear and i was like yeah well thanks a lot brother and uh yeah he ended up asking me to come join his his private sound company and little did I know, this guy had inherited, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars, and he lived like fucking Batman up on top of a hill. And so I'd go. I up, remember. Yeah, I'd go up to his house and pick up his sound system, mile-long driveway, uh, pack up a van full of a sound system, uh, drive it down to a, a venue, and we'd turn a venue into a freaking rock and roll stadium. You know, it was it was phenomenal. A lot of fun. Yeah, dude, that is dope. That was actually a super cool experience. I forgot that you had done that. You know, but you. So, but where did you learn? Did you learn sound engineering before that? Did you take any classes, or how did you? Oh yeah, I mean, I mean, every every once in a while, I did the uh, Cabrillo Engineering and the Santa Barbara City College uh, Sound Engineering class. They, you know, they had really good programs, and it, they just taught you basically what your inputs do, how to record to ADAT, and um, you know what what kind of microphones you're using, and and all that fun jazz, all the ins and outs of music, and it can get really intricate. You can get down to like your bit rate and knowing all of the aspects of, of, of sound, but really what I found is you want to have a nice mix between your, your musicality and your techno, te technicality because if you go too far off in one direction, you really miss out on, on certain aspects of, like for instance, you know, the guy that I was working with, he, he really just knew sound engineering. And so he didn't really know like the dynamics that a band should have when he's mixing them. Mm -hmm. he, he didn't have that musicality, the, 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 the att attachment to music that he should have, that I think he could have had. So his mixes came out a little bit too dry, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. But, you know, and then, so there's a give and take. And now I'm just doing it professionally, like working for a stage, stage hands union and getting paid to make, make the people sound good. What is the local? Uh, local 16. Local 16. Yeah, IATSE. 
Hell yeah, guys. We love Tom Bass Davis because he's a sound man, but he also wrestled. So we love that. You know what I'm saying? And then Carl, you're a sound man, but you have some good martial arts experience. Huh? Tell us a little bit about how you started uh, uh, martial arts and uh, and a little bit about your, your, your experience with martial arts. Yeah, I mean, I guess it comes down to the pops. You know, the old man working in a jail saw that uh, if he didn't know how to defend yourself, you were going to get taken advantage of. And he went around town and he found out who the, the badass motherfuckers were. And uh, he, he gave us the opportunity to train under those people. He found them. He, he set it all up for us. And then before I knew it, I was going to martial arts class Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and crying every day before I came home because uh, this, this instructor was kicking my ass. You know, <laughs> like, you know, I've, I've broke, broken toes. And we had this drill where you know, you'd sit in a circle and you'd have the medicine ball. And you'd turn and you'd try and slam the medicine ball into the, your opponent's stomach as hard as you can. That's how you did your, your stomach conditioning. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, I'm freaking nine years old and I got some, some person coming here trying to hit me in the stomach as hard as they can with a medicine ball. I'm like getting broken down. You know, I was just getting my ass kicked and the teacher's laughing, you know. <laughs> you know, you take it. This is what you, this is what you do. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, I don't know if I necessarily loved martial arts, but what I did appreciate was like when you were getting heckled by the neighbor or by the, the people down the street, these bigger kids, these older kids, I could, I could start, you know, fighting back, kicking, punching, throwing, you know, doing whatever it is that you needed to do. We had a pretty roughneck little little neighborhood oh, that we grew up in over there on Santa Cruz, you, you right there. You couldn't even believe broken noses, uh, concussions, kids getting knocked out, and broken arms left and right. It just it was crazy. It was everybody had a good time. I think a bunch of parents and law enforcement <laughs> that were like doing mass punishment and like military parent and like weird, like just weird. It was, uh, but it made us who we are today. I believe so. Was that karate that did that first endeavor? That yeah, you did? it was Kempo karate. Kempo yeah. karate. That instructor, I'm pretty sure he was an alcoholic and he's drunk all the time at the class. Oh, without a doubt. No, I mean, it was so weird. It's like his dynamic was like, they say like a great tattoo artist, you know, he'll, he'll, he'll be able to do like great tattoos. And then one time he'll come in to work hammered and you know, his tattoos suck. But yeah. I mean, this guy, like apparently he would run around town hammered, running his mouth, getting into fights. Joe knew him from the jail, mm -hmm. but apparently he could back it up, yeah. you know, like obviously, cause that's why Joe had me go in there and, and train under him. But yeah, I mean, I never really saw the, the alcohol aspect of him. Um, at class, he was always like drill sergeant, but maybe that was his way of like, kind of like uh, controlling his- uh, His mannerisms so he didn't look drunk. <laughs> you know, yeah, and like oftentimes he'd be in my face because he'd, 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 he'd love to get down next to you and be like, then this is when you die. And you know, and yeah. you're like, holy shit. Because you yeah. you're like getting choked out and he's like, you know, telling you that. And I'm like, oh, okay, thanks. Yeah, I guess so. So, uh, yeah, I mean, but other than that, you know, I didn't ever really smell alcohol on his breath. But the story that I have, it's kind of rude. It's a little vile, but um, this is how drill sergeant he was. You know, I showed up to class and I maybe had like a little stomach thing going on and I had, I had to use the restroom. And so I'm like, you know, sir, can I use the sensei? Can I use the restroom? He's like, no, we're in the middle of class. This is not time. And I'm sitting there and I'm kicking and I'm like, sensei, I need to go to the bathroom. He's not letting me go to the bathroom. So before <laughs> I know it, dude, I got shit running down my leg. <laughs> I'm in the middle of class and he's not even cutting class. He's sitting there making me, you know, train with this. And I'm like, I, I, I got so embarrassed. There was a girl in class that I thought was cute. And I'm like, I just shit myself in front of this girl. You know, I'm like, so I ran out of there. And uh, I, I don't even think, I, I don't think I ever went back. Was that your last time I'm there? pretty sure that was my last time. You know, but, you know, maybe I went back, but I don't remember. I broke my leg too. I can't recall if that was what it was, but. 
we don't you don't have to go back to karate. Karate is a good uh, first martial art experience, and, and you got a lot of value from that. But then tell me a little bit about your time working with uh, with Bill Francis at the Bill Francis Academy, and then Suru, uh, Jason, and I. Yeah, I mean these were really integral years. You start growing up, and you start realizing uh, how the martial art can change, and it doesn't just become about uh, you know punching and kicking, and it, it becomes really mental, and you gotta you gotta figure out how to mentally prepare yourself for this aspect of, of combat that you're entering into. And oftentimes multiple opponents, because when we were training with, with uh, Bill and, and Jason, we weren't training for single opponents, you know, like the doing the katas and getting ready for this, that, and the other. We, we were really training for like weapons-based, maybe uh, bar fights, mm-hmm. uh, real world scenario situations that could occur. And they, you know, same thing, like really good teachers kept you, uh, to a nice form. Um, Jason would, I would hit me in the face a lot with a stick. I remember that happening often mm-hmm. because if you didn't have your hands up, you were getting hit in the head with a stick. Or in the hand or wherever he wanted to hit you with the stick, he yeah. hit you with the Oh, head. and just with like pinpointing it. quick. And that was, you know, learning how to dodge a stick. It's like kind of the dodgeball thing. If you can dodge a stick, you can dodge a punch. You get really good range aspect. And Jason was just phenomenal with the stick and in translation of the hand to the stick was was really good. You learned a lot of skills. Footwork was super integral. And, um, you know, Bill took it to a whole new level because we were going and we got private time with Bill, mm-hmm. getting in there with Bill Francis and having him just break it down, having the access to the gym every day. And whenever we wanted to go up there, we could train. And, you know, he had all these cool – the one thing I loved was when they developed that pad that they had against the wall – you know, where you could land your uppercuts and upper your elbows. Bag, yeah, yeah. And it just and just having that access to that bag, you, you can't really find them very many other places. Yeah, a lot of places don't have those. Uh, a Nuck Nuck Ranch, that was nice. He was a Three Stooges fan. So he, his ranch was named Nuck Nuck Ranch, and he had like a big Three Stooges. Uh, he was a real guy. He was a real nice guy. Bill Francis, a real, he was a goofy guy. He was an endodontist, you know, a very successful businessman. Um, murderer. Yeah. Straight murderer. Without a doubt. Uh, and and it's it's good to be able to be able to flip that switch when you need to you know and so he really tried to instill um, um, that in me and Carl uh, then my brother this is my brother by the way I probably didn't mention yeah it's my brother Carl uh, uh, he tried to instill that in us and um, we would do we would do drills energy drills you know I don't know if you guys believe in energy or not you know but we would do them and 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 one drill that really resonated with me that I still do to this day and I'll share it with you guys don't try this at home if you can if you're not if you you know if you're weak minded don't even try it. But you're going to be at home. You're going to be in the shower, and someone has broken into your home. And then your mother is going to be in the other room, you know. And um, and you know that an intruder has come into your home at this point. And now it's your responsibility to make sure that that intruder doesn't reach your mother, you know. And me and Carl were young at this time too, so this is it's almost like post traumatic stress even thinking about it. But but good. I'm glad I had to do these. And then so we would you know we would exit the shower naked, cold naked. And then we would kill uh, um, that intruder in our mind, of course. And we would kill them. However we killed them, we'd finish them, make sure that they were dead and they were done. However long that took, uh, choking them, uh, gouging their eyes and then choking them, uh, ripping their trachea, whatever we had to do, we would go ahead and do that. And then, um, and then we would come back to class. And then, okay, guys, no, you're not. You're okay. You're fine. We're right here at the gym. You guys are all good. Do you ever you remember doing that one? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, transporting yourself and, and turning the switch, you know. And I've been there before, you know, outside of the the gym, and where you kind of have to turn that switch. It's, it becomes life or death, you know. And and if, if you've ever been to the point where you have died, 
you know, uh, whether it been like choked out or not unconscious and, and came back from, from the dead, mm-hmm. then you really re- realize how, you know, how that can, that, that can be a part of reality. That can happen. And if you're not capable of flipping that switch, then more often than not, you're probably going to be the guy on the other side, you know, not, mm-hmm. not flipping the switch, sitting there. Uh, I guess it just stays black the whole time. I don't know. I don't know if you, you don't wake up or when you go, <laughs> yeah, I really Whatever. don't know. Um, uh, we'll, we'll know soon enough, but yeah. luckily we don't know yet. Um, it was weapons-based. The Anaya Nascrima was weapon-based. The American street fighting with Bill Francis, that was mostly, uh, uh, there was weapons involved, but that was mostly uh, hand-to-hand translation. The Catina de Mano is what they would call it in Nascrima. We did a, a single stick to Cuerdes. We did double sticks in Awali. We did long stick Lagermano. We did uh, uh, short stick Serrata. We did a Spadi Adaga stick and knife, you know? So we got a good, uh, uh, we, have, we got a really good uh, mix of, a lot of different weapons. Um, do you use any of that training still to this day, Carl? Or? Oh, without a doubt. I mean, every day it's like the, the disarm is, is one of the biggest ones. And, it, it, you, you know, hopefully you're never in a situation where you see somebody with a, a weapon and, you know, a knife. Hey, like that. tell them about uh, Freebirds. Yeah, uh, Santa Barbara. That's what I was going to get into. Tell them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Santa Barbara. I mean, I was out to, uh, you know, I called out to dinner. It was probably 3 a.m. You know? <laughs> <was fucking laughs> after, after partying with the friends. And we're sitting in Santa Barbara, and uh, a Durka Durka Jihad guy comes out, you know, and like he's saying the like, Jihad this, and he was he was off of his mind. Yeah. He, he was out of his mind. He was on some sort of acid or drugs, but he's got a knife, and you know everybody's standing back, and I'm I'm sitting here like, oh well, fuck, you know, like I'm I'm, I'm gonna have to approach him, mm-hmm. and you know, of course, when you're when you're trying to disarm somebody with a weapon, you want to you want to be friendly, at first, you don't you don't want to act angry and, and intimidate them. Because mm-hmm. they could, that's when they'll be uncertain. You want to act as though you're calming them down. You're their friend. You're like, hey, you know, let's let's think about this. Let's talk about this situation. And luckily, I was capable of, of talking them out. You know, not being intimidated and scared, I was able to break, break through his 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 comfort zone. The the the, and so I was able to get close enough to him to where he realized that I wasn't going to engage him, and I wasn't running up there being all erratic mm-hmm. because that's when you're going to get yourself cut. So with my comfort due to the weaponry, I was able to get in a close enough distance to him to see that I wasn't trying to hurt him and engage him. He literally just brought himself to the ground and laid down, and I was able to put my my foot on his wrist and take away the weapon. You know, in in that situation, that scenario, that, that I think without having the confidence of of a weapon based thing, you sit there and you let him run through his rant, and who knows what he could potentially do after that. Yeah. No, hundred percent, and uh, and you were taught to take action. That's actually crazy that because they, you know, that's exactly what they taught us how to, how to be be in a position to to defend yourself, but also be like no. And so other people looking on too see you saying no, no, it's okay, like no, and you look like you're trying to degress the situation, even though you're going to disarm some guy with a knife, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, and that's and that's a lot of times that's how you do it. Oftentimes when there is a knife involved, um, you do get cut. You know, you will get cut. Where where or do you want to get cut, Carl? Yeah, I mean, me personally, uh, yeah. on, on my forearms, uh-huh. you know, uh, maybe my ear, mm-hmm. you know, you go ahead, you know, just don't take my neck, you know, but no. uh, I'm not trying to get cut on the legs. Definitely don't want to get cut in the abdomen. Uh, it's, yeah. Outside, outside of the outside forearms, of the definitely. Not, not so much inside. If they cut your flexors, then, um, then you can't hold your, your own knife. Or make a fist. So you want to make sure they cut your extensors so you can still make a fist. Um, you also, if you're going to get cut, you want to give them a cut that it's going to be non-life-threatening, you know, in order to in order to get your murderous cut yeah. on them. And the thing you'll find out about with the weapon is is your opponent, and more often than not, they're not super weapons 
uh, trained in using that weapon. And that's why they're using it. It's like, because I find the more people that have more weapons training, the less they're using the weapon. And so you, more often than not, you're getting in situations with people that aren't very well trained with a weapon, which means they probably aren't really well trained with martial arts in general. And so they'll focus so much on that weapon. And so what you want to do is not focus on the weapon as much as they are. Mm -hmm. That's their tool, and that's what they're focusing on. So you, you let them utilize that as their tool, and then you focus on another way to... to debilitate or take you know, de-thread the situation mm -hmm. yeah at least I mean, it, if they are good with the weapon though if they are good with the weapon and you can usually tell by the way they hold it if they're in heaven grip or earth grip their stance if their lead foot if their weapon foot is forward you want your weapon foot forward so you can have the most range with your weapon you can kind of tell by how they hold their weapon how their stance is if they know what they're doing if they get in a good stance and they, you can tell they know how to use their weapon. You're, you're first. You're gonna, you're gonna get cut. And you're running. Yeah, you should get the fuck out of there, yeah, bro. Man. Because the, that's not. A, you're not in a good. You're not in a good place right now, man. And, yeah. and, and you need to mount your weapon. We used to. We used to uh, carry three. I mean, I, I did, probably did it more than Carl, but I would carry three knives. I would have one to throw, and then two to mount. And I was very good with my knives, you guys. Um, but not as good as Carl. Carl, tell them a little bit about the Moco Moco. <laughs> tell them about the Moco Moco Invitational. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't say, you know, not, definitely not not as good. It's just at the time I had some uh, an advantage. I think you, you can cuss the guy with like a, a right overhand punch or something. But I was going against uh, one of the better knife fighters. He world, was, world champion world, knife fighter. World renowned. I think he was in some some video that he like. He won first place in Worlds. Yeah. And he, get, he did some video that gave him a lot of acclaim. He was training with, who was it? Uh, I can't remember what system he was with. He, he, was, he was training with somebody like Jackie Chan or he, he teaching him how to do the knife fighting. But, um, yeah, uh, I was capable of outpointing him. I mean, at the time I was young. I was playing football. I had all this athleticism. And, you know, just Bill had taught us so well on how to prevent from getting cut, defending ourselves, getting in. I mean, I remember I did one, like, kind of it's like a it's a defend where you just try and get cut in your shoulder you know and when they're coming over the top so it, it, you, pick, you take the knife to the shoulder here instead of taking it to the face or whatever and i was getting to the point where i could do the defend and i was knocking people off their ass by getting up underneath them with the yeah. defend and then i was in and boom you're you're cutting their ass you know mm -hmm. and uh but just you know just re repetition keeping doing the same thing over and over and over again was that the finals that you that you beat that guy in? Was for the was that no the no no. The, remember, I ended up losing that one. Did you lose the finals? It was Jason and I was the the uh, the, the ref, and he was our old instructor, and we transitioned over to, to Bill's class. And then Jason has another student that I'm competing with again in in the finals. Mm -hmm. And the student he he cut me on my, my shoulder, you know, and I I cut him right on the neck. It was pretty much like a, a simultaneous point thing. Mm -hmm. When he gave the point to his current student, he's like, I, I can't let somebody that's not my student win the. The, the tournament yeah. you know he's mm -hmm. like how does that look for jason and i and uh, screamo i'm like well you got a point but um no i mean yeah that, that kid beat me and uh rightfully so i mean he's, he, he spent so much time in his, his art he's, they probably spent a lot of time fighting weapons we did yeah. we, we did a lot of that knife that point knife stuff but we we did it kind of more to prepare for the tournament i planned on winning that tournament i signed up for that tournament to, to win that thing and then I lost my very first, they put me against the world champ my first match. And so I lost my first match against the world champ. And then, uh, and then Carl came, came on later to avenge my loss. Yeah, yeah I did avenge it, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, no, no, you ain't going to cut up my little brother. You know what I'm saying? No, no, no. Yeah. 
So, uh, so that was nice of Carl to avenge that loss. Um, you know, tell us a little bit about dad and, uh, and dad's influence on, on, on you and martial arts. I know you talked about him getting you into martial arts. I remember he, uh, there were in football, there was a, you know, a, a, a C might mean yes in Spanish, but it means no in football. So yeah. I remember you didn't play football your senior year because, yeah. uh, your grades slipped. What, what, how did those, was he too tough on you or how'd that make you feel, man? I mean, I guess it's just it's life and it's expectations. And, you know, when when you work in a, an environment where you're the authority figure and everybody has to obey your authority and you can see what type of what type of behavior results in, in rehabilitation occurring, then you can create these benchmarks, you know, and he, he created a benchmark for me. He said, you know, I had to get good grades in Spanish or else I couldn't play football. I, I didn't take him serious. I didn't think that he wasn't going to let me play football if I got a C. He's a passing grade. Yeah. You know, who, who gives a shit, you know? But at the same time, uh, you know, he, he was a hard-headed man, and he decided that when he said something, it goes. And he decided that, that I wasn't going to play football. I mean, damn, you never know. Like, uh, uh, Dwight Lowry was playing on the team. He would have been my quarterback. I would have yeah. been the running back, corner. He was the safety. I mean, we would have just torn shit up. And, you know, who knows what kind of prospects you could have got for college. But – you know, it's just a decision that you make, and, and education should be taken seriously, and it should come first. And, uh, you know, I, I respect him for making that decision and sticking to it. And uh, I still got to play baseball. Yeah. So, and, you know, that's just the man that Joe is. There, another story about Joe is when he told you not to do something and you did it, he got fucking angry. <laughs> he got angry. So, like, if I was to go and try and play football after he said no football, I mean, I can only imagine what could have happened. But, uh, one time I was driving one of our buddies, Deedle, down the street on the, the mini bike, and we're not supposed to have kids on the, the back of the mini bike we're without a helmet kids, on. Though, right? yeah, you know, yeah, I mean, we're probably 12, 13. Mm -hmm. And uh, I give him a ride home, you know, whatever, six blocks down the road, and coming back home on the street on the mini bike. It's not even one block, Carl. And whatever not, it is. It's, it's, it's one block. Well, I mean, it's a long. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, it's, a, it's one block. Yeah. But anyways, we get, I, get, I get him home, and I'm coming back, and the neighbor had ratted me out. He saw me on the mini bike with somebody on the back without a helmet on, and I see Joe barreling down the street. You know, the ground shaking. You're like, oh, yeah. No. And all the kids had ran out to the street to see what's going to happen because they see Joe <laughs> running, and they're like, oh, no way. And so there's like a circle of people on me, and the first thing Joe does is he, he gets me, and he just <laughs> hits me with his forearm, and, you know, a 300-pound man, and, he, and he just I fly. 15 feet in the air. Mm. I'm, in, I'm in the bushes. <laughs> and then the little mini bike that we had had a, a gas can, aluminum gas can, bolted on with like a, you know, an industrial bolt. And he grabs the gas can. He just goes, <laughs> pulls off the freaking gas can with the bolt, you know, like something that must have taken 600 pounds of pressure at least, you know, just something yeah. crazy. And that's Joe, you know, if you do, if you do something Joe doesn't like, you're gonna suffer the consequences. Oh, he'll destroy. He'll Yo. destroy anything you loved. Yeah. Everything you loved. You know what I'm saying? Don't, don't do, don't, yeah, don't have no electronics that you that you liked if you're gonna not listen. Uh -huh. But so we both we both finished college, huh? No, you know, how'd we do it? We got degrees. Hey, yeah. you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Hell yeah, dude. So Joe, uh, we appreciate you on that. I I dropped out of high school. Um, I, I didn't follow. Carl was a lot better uh, a student athlete than I was in high school. He was. Um, he just had his head on a little straighter than me, and then he actually finished. Even though I gave you a super hard time for how long it took you to finish college, yeah. finished way before I um, I did. I, you know, it, it, in retrospect, right? And when you're looking back, it's it's not as easy as it looks. And when you're in a party school like Santa Barbara, there's a lot of distractions. 
a lot of distractions. So you got your degree in political science. Yeah, political science. <laughs> but then, um, but that's, but you like the sound stuff better, huh? Oh, I mean, without a doubt. And trying to go into government and, and seeing the aspect, I, I just was way too young to be a politician. You know, it's like, and I didn't want to pay my dues from a young age because you just turn into like a whipping boy. You know, it's like, oh, here, why don't you turn this paper into the, I'm like, no, I'm like, come on, let me do something. Mm-hmm. Um, let me make policy. But you can't make policy until you really have, have spent your time and, I just wasn't willing to go through the, the motions. That wasn't, I don't, know, I don't know. Maybe I just don't like the two-tier system, Democrats and Republicans. Get rid of it, you know, whatever. But that's, that's a whole nother story. Yeah, and I'm, uh, I said it on previous shows, I'm, I'm a kind of guy that likes people that follow their passion and follow their dream. I'm not really the kind of guy that, I can, I can respect you ha- doing something that completely sucks for your whole life because that's what you felt like was necessary. I can respect it. But I, I doesn't. I don't understand it. You know, yeah. I really don't. You know, so I'm, I'm much happier with you pursuing. You know, what you enjoy, what you're, what you're naturally, you know, uh, gifted at doing. You know, tell me a little bit about, um, about mom and mom's influence on, um, on you as a human being, and, uh, and, and, and how, how, tell me about, tell me a little bit about mom. Yeah, I mean, how, how, how the mothers work. You know, they're, they're, they're hand in, hand in, hand in mouth. They're, they're giving you everything you need at any point in time, and. Uh, they're the protective figure. So whenever I came home with a, a broken nose uh, due to Michael Rain next door or uh, Nick Wells, I think, gave me a broken nose. And Chris definitely gave me something. You know, sure. all these guys kicking your ass. She Brandon. Was, I mean, Brandon, without yeah. a doubt. You know, and just she'd always be there comforting you and being like, it's okay. You know, you're going to get your butt kicked. You know, that's just how it happens. You know, next time you got to kick their butt. You know, and like I think she got that from Joe. Is like, and she was in the military too, so it wasn't always like roll over and figure out another way around it. It was like get the fuck back out there and and go kick some ass, you know. And and that was great. And she kept us fed well, you know. I was gonna say, I was about to say that she kept us fed so well that no matter how hard we tried to break our bodies down, she was gonna make sure that we, we were built up even stronger yeah. with, with the proper nutrition. And, um, and, and, and it's, that's, a, that's a rare thing, dude, to have, and, and honestly too, a, a superhero. Angie was a superhero, she still is. Mom is a superhero. Both the parents kinda were. They never missed one game. I mean, there's two sons, right? So, so sometimes it would have to be dad at, uh, dad at one game, mom at the other game. They both worked full-time jobs. They never missed a game, yeah. ever, nothing. Out there, giving us access, you know, baseball, football, martial arts. It was, it was great. They, they provided, they were providers, you know, definitely. Really, I think it, it, it shows, you know, uh, the man that we grew up to, be, to, to become, you know, it, it comes a lot from, uh, from, from Angie and Joe, man. They really did a great job, dude. They really did. Yeah. Um, what do you any any closing? Do you, do you have any closing statements? I mean, I wanted to, I wanted to touch on the I wanted to touch on you know you're you're our guy. Actually, wait, wait up, wait up. I had one thing I wanted to ask you. So Jim Cooley is our ring announcer, and we love Jim, dude. He's the man. But I I was telling Deborah that like I really do think that because um, you're a singer. Yeah, yeah, I got the operatic voice, definitely. You have a beautiful voice. I don't know what I'm singing, but you know how it is. You gotta get the fucking. <laughs> the show's gonna be the show's gonna be in Santa Cruz, um, which is your hometown. You know, you have a, you have a good following in Santa Cruz. You've done some shows at the Catalyst. I know some you know? people there. Yeah, um, is announcing a show something that you maybe look you're, you're looking into in the future? Or yeah, is- I mean, man, that'd be great. That'd be a lot of fun. And it's just the energy that you can bring before the fight to get the fighters, you know, just 
ready to, to go primal, I would love it. It'd be so much fun. Yeah, it'd be a great time. Yeah, man, because uh, you're very talented. Dude, my brother's a very, very talented musician uh, uh, with the sound man, but uh, he also has very, very educated in martial arts. He could probably commentate for the show um, just as just as well as a lot of these other guys commentate. I've I, and uh, I've I've been on shows where the commentators have no idea what the fuck. <laughs> like, what are you even? He just he's doing the kimura, the loop around. I'm like, that's not a kimura. He's doing for the rear naked. I'm like, that's not that what that was. You know. So I know my brother could do better than that, you know what I'm saying, and uh, and also add some good some 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 good context, you know, because uh, we've a lot of martial arts experience, you know. So um, big thank you to uh, to Jason and I, Jason. I'm still following you, Jason. Uh, uh, and Nyan Escrima, uh, uh, his father Mike, um, just great people and a great system, really in depth system. Uh, uh, Bill Francis, uh, Bill Francis Academy. I don't think he's coaching as much martial arts, but he's doing a lot of uh, healing. He'll uh, probably do it more as his kids get older. I imagine. I think he's, he's doing the, he's doing the shamanism. He's doing a lot of healing. Yeah. He's um he's he's really good at that. He's doing a lot of energy work. Um, so stoked for Bill. Thank you so much, Jason. Do you remember your karate instructor's name? I, I honestly it was Tiger Claw out of Santa Cruz. Yeah. But uh, I can't remember the instructor's his name. name, man. I, I probably purposely forgot it. He, he just traumatized me yeah in a lot of respects <laughs> you know in a good way i guess i don't know uh, <laughs> it's you know those are good life experiences they help you mold into the man that you're gonna end up being yeah yeah oh no i mean he tons of t tons of talent tons of skill tons of technique i learned a lot from him but uh yeah i just i think you can learn things in a lot of different ways and, and and bill was a good representation of how you can have a good instructor that doesn't really um belittle you and um, push you to the limits every time, degrade your body. Because we only got one body and we're only here and we're, we're seeing what injuries can do to us if, we, if, if we, we push ourselves to the extreme all the time. It would be good to like learn the skills that you need in football and in martial arts and whatever it may be without taxing the body. And then when you, you need that five minutes of punch and power, you, you, you bring that to the stage, you know, you bring that to the game. We're figuring in ways around it. We're getting a lot better, I think, with the the drills and is in the technology. Yeah, man, we are. We really are, dude. And um and yeah, I loved I love that system, man. I really do. And and I really love that uh that you're so on board for helping me with all my endeavors. You know, I really Definitely. Uh, yeah, you guys got a good thing going here. Barry yeah, combat. It's dope. I really appreciate you uh, uh always being able to help out. Like this is this is stuff. It does it takes an army to do this. I know and it looks like it's just Deborah and, and Daniel, but it ain't. Mm -hmm. You know, it takes an army. You got Tom, you got Tiffany Summer. Uh, uh, there's a lot of other people too. I'm not even mentioning, I, I, I can't even think of them right now, but it takes an army. And so I really appreciate you having, you know, you helping with with my, with my all the endeavors that I go on. And, and, and I wanna and I wanna be able to uh, support you and help you on um, on all your endeavors as well, man. You know, we gotta build uh, together. Um, Tom Bass Davis, the album's coming out soon. Radiokeysmusic.com, check them out, man. Check out the album. I, I actually, I peeped, I need to, <laughs> <laughs> I need to buy it, dude. I was like listening to all the chat and I was like, oh, I didn't buy it. So I will though. I'll get that first one and then I'll pick up the second one too, dude. Pick up that album, you guys. The album's dope. Uh, Deborah Farolito, owner, Suncoast Awning, Bay Area Combat. Suncoast Awning for all of your shade needs. Are you guys doing the patio furniture yet or is that still something that's coming? It's coming, okay, it's coming. Yeah. Right now we're doing shade. But we also, it, we, we could shade the sun, but they also have all elements uh, uh, shading as well, okay? So for pre precipitation, anything like that. So reach out to Deborah. There's a shop in Santa Cruz, a shop in Martinez, Suncoast Awning, get shaded, you guys. And um, Carl, man, 
Thank you so much for coming. Any closing statements? Yeah, anything? definitely. Uh, keep an eye out for the jiu-jitsu tournament coming up in May here mm-hmm. at, at the studio. And mm-hmm. uh, that's going to be big time. Win, win yourself some money and uh, register. Yeah, we're gonna do because because of COVID and everything, you guys we're doing some jujitsu tournaments. So uh, uh, we'll, we'll be we'll be putting out a lot more stuff on that on our social media, and um, also too we're still renting the studio. So if you guys have any inqu- inquiries to uh, to use the studio, I know Triumphant uh, uh, Combat Sports has has rented the studio, and um, a couple other uh, people have rented the studio. It, it, it comes with the sound man. Uh, we'll make it work for you guys. So, so yeah, man, please come check us out. Reach out to Deborah Deborah Farolito, uh, Suncoast Awning. Um, Bay Area Combat Podcast. I'm Daniel Compton, your fight director. Thank you guys so much for tuning in, man. This is me and Carl Leon, Carl Compton, man, my you. older brother right here, baby. Hey, dude. Thank Peace. you, man. Thank you.